If you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, and while you're turning there, I thought about this as we talk about mercy in action today, that, you know, Jesus had power, he had authority, he had ability to heal and deliver people from disease, demons, debilitating illnesses, and even death. But the attribute that really, I think, attracted people to Jesus was his mercy. And I think that, you know, with power and authority and all those things are great, but without mercy, really, this building would be empty. There would be no need for us to come just for God's power, authority, his holiness without mercy, because that's what we need. We all need God's mercy in our lives. And I really think that Mark chapter 5 is a story of mercy as God comes to this demoniac on his turf, to his situation, to minister to him. So let's read this uh, together, this account. Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. What a great account of mercy in action. Jesus has demonstrated mercy again and again in this gospel as we do this journey with Jesus we see in Mark chapter 10, if we go ahead just a few chapters, it tells the story of a blind man named Bartimaeus who was sitting by the roadside begging. And here's what it says in Mark 10, 47. 
When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This tells us about a very important attribute of Jesus, that he is full of mercy. Yes, he's full of power. Yes, he's full of authority. Yes, he's a holy God. All of those things, but he's full of mercy. And so here's what I want us to see as we look at this this morning, that Jesus in his mercy moves toward misery. Here are people who are miserable, the blind man who was miserable, he couldn't see, he didn't have a life to function, and Jesus comes to him in mercy and heals him. We go back in Mark chapter 1, if you flip back to Mark chapter 1, in verse 23 to 28, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, a demon-possessed man who has an evil spirit came into the synagogue. He says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the evil spirit said, the Holy One of God. Jesus told the evil spirit to shut up, to be quiet and come out of him. The spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. There is mercy in action. Earlier, dealing with a demon-possessed man. Here in this chapter, we see another demon-possessed man that Jesus comes to. And he moves in mercy toward this man's misery. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Here we see at the outset that Jesus went across the lake, it says, to the region of the Gerasians. They believe he probably traveled four to five miles across the Sea of Galilee to get to this place. And this place was, uh, we see at the very end of the reading that we did, was the Decapolis area. The Decapolis area was a 10-city region But here, more importantly, it was a Gentile region. So here was a Jewish man, a Jewish rabbi, taking the gospel into a Gentile territory. Jesus crossing the lake, crossing cultural and ethnic barriers to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And he meets this man, he says, when he gets out of the boat in verse 2, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. So we see right away Jesus going, mercy going toward misery. But let's look at four characteristics or features of this demoniac. First of all, he is listed as one who has an unclean spirit, an evil spirit. He is wicked. He is filthy physically and morally. With the increase that we have in our culture today of Satanism and witchcraft, we see more and more destructive behavior. We see more and more addictions in our society. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, sexual perversion, obscene language and behavior. Whether or not someone is truly demon-possessed, we don't always know. But we do see all these things in our culture, don't we? All kinds of addictions and troubles. People dealing with evil spirits in their life. 
The second thing we see here is an unclean residence. It says he lived, in verse 3, in the tombs. These were carved out areas in the rocks and the hills that were like caves. And he lived among these caves. And it says he lived among the tombs. So he lived among the dead. And the dead were considered unclean. He lived in isolation. He was cut off from community, society. He was alienated from family and friends. He was ostracized. He had no support. His violent behavior caused people to keep a distance from him. He was not invited to social gatherings, nor did he want to attend. The third thing we see here is he had superhuman strength as well. It goes on to tell us that he had often, in verse 4, been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. He had amazing strength. Yes, evil has power, and he had strength and power, even though it was evil power. But fourthly, he had self-destructive behavior. Notice it goes on to say, night and day, in verse 5, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. See, when evil takes place in our life, we begin to self-destruct. That's the sad part of evil in people's lives. I have counseled with countless people who are involved in self-destructive behavior, self-destructive addictions. And the heart of mercy goes out to them and wants to see them delivered, and they have to come to the mercy of God who can deliver them, who cares about them, who loves them. But the problem is this. The enemy lies to people. All the time he lies, he tells them they're no good, they're worthless, they're hopeless, their case is beyond the mercy of God, and it never is. It never is. The demons caused him to punish himself. He screamed because of his emotional pain. Today, no doubt, there are people in their homes today who have incredible emotional pain who could not begin to think about crossing the threshold of our door to come in to hear about the mercy of God. Because Satan has so blinded them and binded them up. This man was full of anger and self-hatred. He had a warped view of life and of himself and his misery drove him to insanity. He was out of his mind. Today in our culture, the addiction world is unbelievable. It's because there's so much emotional pain in people's lives. People have brokenness from relationships. They have great pain from those broken relationships. There's all types of abuse. There's physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse in our world. And that has caused incredible pain inside of people. I don't know what all this man went through, but obviously he went through some deep emotional pain in his life. And here is the mercy of God moving toward his pain to minister to him. This should be the church of Jesus Christ today and what we are about and who we are as the people of God. We should be a community of mercy. And interestingly enough, the name Bethesda, House of Mercy, that's what we should be about. That's what Jesus was about. 
Let me remind us of a couple verses in Micah 7.18. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. That's who God is. In Matthew 9.35, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I love these kind of stories because here is Jesus one-on-one with an individual to separate from the crowd and to say, you know what? The one is important. You may be here today in a sea of people, in a sea of crowd, but Jesus sees your particular need your particular struggle with addiction, your particular emotional pain, God is interested in moving toward you with his mercy to bring healing and help and strength to you. It's a wonderful story. Wonderful story. In Luke 1.50, it says this, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Let me just remind us, first of all, why do we need mercy? We need mercy because of our sin. It tells us in Ephesians 2.4 that God is rich in mercy. He says we need mercy because we are dead in our transgressions and sins. We lived according to the philosophy of this world. We have been influenced by the evil spirit called Satan. We have been guilty of attempting to satisfy the cravings of our sinful nature. And allowing that sinful nature to hold us hostage, like a prisoner, telling us what to do and when to do it. It has pulled us around and controlled us. Because of this, we became objects of God's wrath. But it says, God, who is rich in mercy, has come to us. And that's a wonderful thing. We need his mercy not only because of our sin, but because of our weakness. Humanly, we are dust. We are weak. And God reminds us, maybe you're going through something right now in your life and in your family, and you're like, you know what? This is beyond my strength. This is beyond my ability. This is beyond anything I can handle. And God says, you know what? Let me give you my mercy. Let me give you my mercy to help you With that situation, I want to help you. The second aspect that we see here of the mercy of Jesus, Jesus in his mercy models courage in the face of opposition. He faced much opposition, but even in the midst of the opposition, he modeled mercy and that we should do likewise. Here he's willing to dialogue with a man to show him his love and concern. Jesus does not carry out his ministry from a distance. He's up close and personal. If we are going to get involved in ministry in people's lives, we do not do it from a distance. Sometimes we do it in triage. In triage, when people come into the emergency room in triage, There's blood on the floor, there's stuff laying everywhere, and and the purpose 
of what you're trying to do is help someone in a crisis. And sometimes it gets messy. Ministry gets messy. It gets disappointing. It gets hurtful. You work with people, but you care for them, and you have to do it up close and personal. Who are you showing mercy to? Who are you getting up close to and personal, like Jesus did, to show mercy to them and to help them? I think we have to look for opportunities to share our faith with others. I think we have to look for ways to connect with people, places of need where we can be of help. In other words, don't just crash into the person. <laughs> you have to show patience, ask questions. Don't just sit back and ask somebody else, well, who is that person over there across the room? Have you walked across the room to get to know them? Have you asked them their name? I haven't met you. Have you gotten to know them? Maybe you've seen them here a long time in church, but you have yet to cross the aisle to meet the person. Do that. Invest in the person. Look for places to share Christ. Entry points for the gospel. I'm reminded of Dave Wilkerson, who years ago, maybe some of you remember the story of the cross and the switchblade. A great movie. It's dated today. You can probably find it on YouTube. I think I've watched it on there. But Dave Wilkerson lived in Pennsylvania, and he went to the streets of New York City because he was moved by the misery of the gangs and the violence and the drugs and the sex and the everything. And he was burdened for those gangs. And he takes the gospel there. He takes the mercy of God there to minister to those people. And he even brings the gangs together under one roof at a theater. He rents out a theater and he brings these gangs together. They're sitting here, one gang, another gang sitting here, another gang. And they're sitting there and he is sharing the God. And the police were pretty nervous, by the way. Because <laughs> these people like kill each other, right? They hate each other. And yet his mercy and courage in the face of opposition. And he's preaching the gospel and right down here is one of the leaders of the gang, Nicky Cruz, who gets up out of his seat and he comes and he bows and he receives the mercy of God. Becomes an evangelist because of the mercy of God. He had so much emotional pain and anger and bitterness inside of him that he just wanted to hurt people and kill them. But it was the mercy of God that got through to him and drew him to the cross. And that's what will be in our lives as we reach out to people with the gospel who are hurting and broken with the mercy of God that draws them to the cross. And that's what Jesus was all about. I want us to also recognize how the demons responded to Jesus that were in this man. First of all, the demons are humbled by the presence of Jesus. I think that you and I, when we have the presence of Jesus in us, there can be a humility that comes with that. And people can be humbled by the presence of Jesus. They know Jesus' name. They recognize his authority. Notice in verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. 
There's a humility there. Why would a demon ever do something like that? It was the presence of Jesus that caused that man who was so strong to fall to his knees. The presence of Jesus. He realizes he cannot overpower the Son of the Most High. And that's why he says, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? Swear to God that you won't torture me. They recognized the presence of Jesus. And they also knew that the demons knew that Jesus was more powerful than they were. They were not aware not only of who Jesus was, but the power that he possessed. The demons are also afraid of their future. Notice Jesus says, come out of this man. Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. They were afraid of their future. And Jesus specifically asked, what is the name? What is your name? And he says, Legion. He says, for we are many. In other words, this man was filled not just with one demon. He was filled with a host of demons. Actually, a legion represented 6,000 in a Roman army. He had multiple demons. And any time you would mention, would know a demon's name, it gives you power over that demon. And that's why oftentimes the demons would try to say Jesus' name to have power over him. But Jesus had power over the demons. And Jesus sends the demons out of him. The demons are destroyed. The large herd of pigs are feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons beg Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. And about 2,000 of them rush over the cliff and into the water and are drowned. The power of Jesus to deliver from the most wicked, vile, corrupt bondage is mercy. And yet the power of God is there. And I think the reason, we don't really know why Jesus chose to put them into the pigs and have the pigs drown, but we know this. When the man who was possessed of the demons saw the pigs go over the cliff and drown, he knew the demons were gone. Maybe it was a visible demonstration of the power of God to say, you've been delivered, my friend. And interestingly enough, as soon as those evil spirits got into the pigs, the pigs were destroyed. That's the goal of evil and demons is destruction. And only by the mercy of God was that man not killed himself. I'm reminded of this verse, therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The demons bowed to the name of Jesus. Well, let's look at the third thing. Jesus in his mercy miraculously heals the demoniac. The power of Jesus. He tells the demons to come out the, of the man. And he gives them permission to inhabit the pigs. We see the power of Jesus at work. 
Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, there is no addiction that you are dealing with in your life that God can't deliver you from. There is no habit. There is no hurt. There is no unforgiveness. There is no bitterness in your life that God can't deliver you from. Maybe you have had it for years in your life and it has had a grip on you. It is time to turn it into the mercy of God and let him bring healing to you. Like he wants to. And after this man is healed, look what happens in verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They couldn't believe it. Those who had seen it told the people what happened, how the demon-possessed man told about the pigs as well. And of course, then the people want Jesus to leave the region. And as Jesus is getting into the boat in verse 18, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he told him this, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. You see, that's where our testimony and our story begins, is with our family. God wants us to reach our family. Maybe you have lost people in your family that you are burdened for. The best thing you can do is go share the story of the mercy of God in your life. Your story. As you have opportunity with them. Share your story. Share about your life before knowing Christ and what was missing in your life. What was your life like before you put your faith in Christ? Share how you lived your life in your own wisdom and strength. How you failed to honor God. Share about your brokenness apart from Christ. How you violated his law and his commandments. I had the opportunity on, as we were coming home from Phoenix this week, a man sitting next to me. We got into a conversation. I was just praying for opportunity to share with him. And he, of all things, brought up the Ten Commandments. And, but then he got off onto something else, and I said, well, you mentioned the Ten Commandments a few moments ago. And we started talking about those. How, apart from God... We are lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterers at heart. And he was very uncomfortable and began to giggle because he didn't know what to do with that. But all we can do is share the gospel with people. It's up to the soil of the heart and how people respond. I would encourage you to share with people about your fears, your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups. Share what you believe about God and how you got those beliefs. Share how God worked in your life to draw you to himself. What you came to know about Christ. How did God change you and give you faith to trust him? and share the gospel message.
that we're sinners. That Christ died for sin and he rose from the dead. And he gives his spirit to live inside of us. To help us live for him. And I would say look for ways to identify with the person you are sharing with. The one thing the Apostle Paul did, and Jesus as well, is they looked for ways to identify with the people they were trying to share with. Paul said to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, he said, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. And as we do, as you've come into this service today, you came in wanting to hear something from the Lord. So my question to you is, what is God saying to you right now? What is he saying to you? Maybe today was a good reminder of the mercy of God in your life. Maybe you've experienced his mercy in recent days. Or maybe right now you're going through something that is so hard and heart-wrenching that you're like, I need a fresh touch of God's mercy today. May I remind us that God's mercies are new every morning. The Bible tells us his mercies are new every morning. And we need his mercy. We need his strength in our lives. Maybe you have some misery in your heart today. And you have a heartache. I don't know what that heartache is. But I do know that Jesus, the God of mercy, knows. Would you talk to him and would you ask him to give you the mercy that you need to deal with that situation in your heart? Would you take that burden and would you lay it at his feet and say, God, I'm casting all my care on you because you care for me. I need your mercy today. I know there are tons of situations in families, and some can be very, very challenging. But your family situation is not beyond the boundary of God's mercy. He wants to come to you. He wants to touch you where you are. Maybe it's a health issue that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a wayward child you're dealing with that just breaks your heart over and over and over. And you say, God, I need your mercy. I need your mercy. 
Maybe you are engaged in some kind of self-destructive behavior and you know it. You know that it is robbing your life. You don't have joy. You don't have peace. You don't have freedom. It is binding you. It is controlling you. It is destroying you and maybe even destroying others around you. Would you bring it to the mercy of God? Jesus is moving toward you. Would you move toward him? Would you give it to him? We need his mercy because of our sin. Jesus died on the cross in mercy to deliver us from our sin, to heal us of our brokenness. Maybe you're here today and you have yet to personally experience the mercy of God in your life. Jesus died for you. He died for your sin. He shed his blood so that you could be forgiven and cleansed and be put in a right relationship with God. Would you give him your life today? Maybe you need mercy and courage to face the opposition. We can still model courage even in the face of opposition. God can help us do that. And maybe you need a touch from God, a miraculous touch from God. God is able to do that. You are not beyond the boundary of his mercy. Would you bring it to him? All he asks is for an honest heart, an open heart to say, God, I don't even understand all this, but I do understand that you're a God of mercy. And I do know I'm in need to be a recipient of your mercy. Would you receive his mercy today? God is rich in mercy. He wants to help you. If we can help you, if we can talk with you, we would love to do that, to pray with you, to help you understand this God of mercy. Talk to us after the service. Call us in the office. We're here to help. hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.